Thank you for joining us at First United Methodist Church of Locust Grove's Sermon Podcast. Our mission at this church is to live God's way and share God's story and serve God's people. One of the ways that we live into this mission is that we offer our sermons for you to listen to, and we hope that one Sunday you come and join us at 1045 a.m. For more information about our church, you can go on our website at www.fumclgok.org. Thank you, and have a blessed day. In this sermon series of looking at happy happiness and what it is and where to find it, we find ourselves in the third week, and, and the topic for this week is beyond circumstances, because sometimes there are circumstances that are so far beyond our control that what do you do with those? How do you handle those moments? Now, I bet most of you, like most normal people, get a little bit angry about when things go out of shape or out of your plan. Like, you, everybody here has a plan for life. They, 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 they plot their course, and it usually starts right after you get out of high school. Actually, a little bit, hopefully, before you get to high school, so that way you know where you're going in the fall. I know for me, when I started, um, I can remember my senior year very vaguely, other than knowing that for the first part of the year, I thought I knew where I was going. I thought I was going to go to NEO and, and be like my dad because that's what I was really gearing to be. I'd worked at the newspaper. Um, I'd, I'd set it a, on the bench at, at the basketball games. Like, I literally was being geared and steered to be like my father. I mean, I know that. And, and that was kind of the plot and, and the course that I thought I was taking. And then the Spirit of the Lord stirred up within me something different. I kind of had this feeling about mid-April, my senior year, that I can't stay here. That I could, there was no way I could stay in Miami, Oklahoma anymore. That I needed it to go somewhere else. And so I ventured out and looked and, and realized that one of my talents was music. I, I kind of wanted to be a band director. And so I stepped out on faith and, and auditioned at various schools. And my parents went with me. They thought that I would just go and become my father at these other institutions. I even ended up, I remember an audition at Northeastern State and had a great audition until he told me I had to be in marching band. And when I found out I had to be in marching band, that was a no-go for me. I didn't want to be in marching band. It was too much work. I'm a classical bass clarinetist. I don't march, I sit. So it was kind of a deal breaker because he really liked me. And not only did he like me, one of my dad's former students that runs the journalism program really liked me, and Dana was trying to do all in her power to get me to Northeastern State. And then I went to Oklahoma City University, and OCU felt like where God was calling me to be. And so my life was derailed and changed, and it wasn't what I had planned. Because really, my plan was still laying on that. I was still living off that second grade dream of playing baseball and second base for the St. Louis Cardinals. Even though doctors told me no and my body wasn't really geared up for that. But sometimes there are things beyond, our, beyond ourselves that are out of our control that takes away from the path that we design and leads us, if we look for it, to the path that God designs. And we have to realize that we're all on that path together. How many of you have had your lives derailed from what you thought you were going to do and now end up in a place where you feel is a lot better place than where you would have been? I, don't, I think I would have been happy being like my father for a point until I started hearing all those comments about being little Monty. Then I don't want to be that. And so a shift needed to happen. 
And so I want us to think about those circumstances that are beyond our control and how we respond to those because sometimes we don't do it in a healthy way and that's not a good thing for us. And so today, we're going to talk about that. I came across a story this week when I was reading. Um, Bert and John Jacobs, they're the brothers who co-founded Life is a Good T-Shirt Company. They grew up the youngest of six children in lower middle class family in Boston. When their brothers were in elementary school, their parents were in near-death accident, which from, from their mother managed to escape with just a few broken bones, but their father lost the use of his right hand. The stress and frustration from his physical therapy caused him to develop a harsh temper. They explain in their book, Life is Good, he didn't really... He did a real, lot of yelling, really. When there, was official, when there was often difficulties, things around him, he was very angry, the brothers write. But their mom still believed life was good. So every night as a family, they sat around the dinner table. She would ask her six kids to tell her something good that had happened during the day. As simple as his mother's words were, they changed the energy of the room. The brothers wrote, before we knew it, we were all riffing on the best, funniest, or most bizarre part of our day. Growing up with a mother like theirs, one who sang in the kitchen, told animated stories, and acted out children's books for them, no matter what bad situation they were going through, taught them an important lesson. Being happy isn't dependent on your circumstances. Sorry, being happy isn't dependent on your circumstances. She showed us the optimism and courageous choices you can make in everyday situations, especially in the face of adversity. In the book, um, in Matt Miosky's book, Happy, Where to Find It, he says lasting happiness involves the ability to cultivate contentment in our lives regardless of the circumstances. I'm going to say that again. I think that's important. Lasting happiness involves the ability to cultivate contentment in our lives regardless of the circumstances. Finding happiness in those small things. Even when life around you is going awry and going crazy. Finding that little happy nugget, even if it's only one small little thing, can change us. And I think far too often we fall into that trap of, of negativity. We fall into that trap of kind of the, what I call the woe is me attitude. When, when in all honesty, if we took an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of seeing where the happiness is, and just even if it's just as simple as finding a funny thing to laugh at, it's helpful. I know for me, one of the things that I really uh, appreciated was the laughter that we shared after my mother had passed. If there was anything that helped the, the difficult situation that that was, the laughter and the stories to me are what help more than anything I can ever reflect on. Yeah, losing her and losing her in the way that we did was not a great thing, and it was very difficult, and it was very hard, but finding the happiness in that situation was exactly what I needed to do because that's how my mom was. She would find the happiness in those small things that were even beyond normal everyday circumstances. And so I learned from that. 
And I glean from that. And even Paul, and I think she may have taken this from Paul. Paul, in our scripture reading today, he points out that we need to be glad in the Lord always. That's verse 4. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say be glad. Let your gentleness show your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote this when he was in jail. Paul wrote this when he was in jail facing death. Do you think you could have an attitude like that? Knowing that you are going to be potentially facing death and yet you're feeling glad and, and, and the response is, be, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Knowing that your days are numbered. Paul shifted his attitude because it was the way that helped him through. Paul knew what was going to happen. Paul knew that this was probably the end. And yet he flips it on his head and he finds the small and happy thing. And what does Paul do? He doesn't let this time in prison keep him away. Instead, he talks about his faith in Jesus and transforms the guards that are there and changes people's minds and writes letters to churches because he understood that there was more to this. And I think that that's where we need to be. In, in, in the chapter this week, Miyoski said that there are four keys to lasting happiness. Here are those four keys. Number one, live in the present. And then number two, change your perspective. Three, be grateful. And four, let go. As we think about living in the present, I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6.34. Jesus says these words. He says, therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6.34. When we lean into the present and we enjoy all that's going around us, all the brokenness and all the, all the pain of the world really do go away. And we can enjoy that that's around us. One of the more joyful moments of my life is when I've had those problems and things were going awry. And I remember one in particular, when, when I was struggling in math, I, I struggled in math, it's not my strong suit, and I had a great teacher. She was my high school math teacher, and um, Cindy would, would let me come into class early, and, and she would work with me, and she would help me, um, and she actually took care of me. I mean, she would give us food and all that great stuff, and she would let us come and hang out in her class, and, and she loved on us and cared for us. Now, it didn't make my math grade better, but it kept me out of trouble, it helped me kind of not be one of those students that, that just gave up. She refused to give up on us. And several of us have been successful because of her graciousness. And then imagine this. Imagine the shock that I had when I saw that she attended the church that I started going to. It showed that she did believe in God, even though sometimes when she was getting on to me, I didn't know that was the case. But you know what's great about that relationship I have with Cindy, who I consider one of my mothers, is now she's a dear friend. Cindy and I have dean sixth grade camp for the last six years together. And every time I'm with her, she's like, I just can't believe that you're here. And I look at her and say, well, that's how God's grace works. 
But we need to live into the present. Far too often we get, we get so caught up on what's going to happen tomorrow or what we did five years ago or we get, we get caught up in everything else but right now. Yesterday I had a crazy busy day, but I enjoyed every little moment that I had. Even getting up earlier than I love to get up on Saturday morning to go and hang out with dogs. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed getting to lay hands on those animals and blessing them and keeping them, even though almost one almost bit Anissa's face off. That was her dog, not even someone else's. <laughs> but if we don't live into the present, we miss those things. If, if, if we get so caught up in other things, we miss out on the opportunities that you can have. And, and, you know, had I not lived into the present, had I been looking forward to the future, I would have missed out on Laura's great, one of the two great games that she had yesterday. She had three goals in a soccer game. That was awesome. The second game could have been a little bit better, but two games in one day, hey, she did really well. And then Emily had a great game as well. Two goals, crazy goals at that. But if we miss out on those things in the present and we're looking at the future or we're stuck in the past, we can't be happy. And to find true happiness, lasting happiness, it calls us to focus and center our lives in the present and not get caught up in those others. The next thing is change your perspective. And as we change our perspective on things, it's kind of funny to, to think about how to change our perspective. Because sometimes when we change our perspective, we can actually see things from other sides. It actually helps us. Not necessarily create happiness in us, but it may actually get us to understand other people. I always try to listen to other people's sides in the midst of a conversation. That doesn't mean I have to agree with them. That doesn't mean that I have to, to like, wow, that, you know, that, because of what they said, that's going to change my mind and thoughts on everything. But if I get to know people, it actually does widen and broaden my perspective in such a way that shapes and changes me. And it actually helps me live and be a better person, realizing that there are people that have far worse lives out there than I do. There are people that are going through far less than what most of us are. Because, you know, most of us right now, we're in an air-conditioned building. There are people right now, right now, that are worshiping that don't have that opportunity or luxury. Changing our perspective happens. And so I want us to see this. Let's go to this picture. The picture, uh, the picture, that picture, oh, too far, right there. What do you see here? Duck, rabbit, a bunny. What do you think the right answer is? <laughs> I, like, I like what Brett said, yes. It's a, it, it's a, it's a duck bunny. I mean, you can see both, right? You can see the duck and you can see the bunny. But, but see, sometimes we lie on that initial response, what we see at the very beginning. And sometimes we get so caught up on what we saw at first. So what did you see at first? What was the first thing that came to your mind? That's usually what you hang on. And, and far too often, you don't take that next step and you don't really look at what's really going on. Yes, it's a duck bunny. It really is. It's a duck bunny. It's a duck and a bunny. And, and, and that's how it is with life. Far too often we go off that first initial response that we don't look at the broader, bigger picture. And we get caught up in that. And we only go with our first answer. If you said duck, you're correct. If you said bunny, you're correct. That's hard for some people to swallow. 
because you want the other person to be wrong. Changing our perspective helps. When we can listen to the other and we can open ourselves up to what the other's perspective may be, it gives us a broader understanding that helps us live in those difficult moments, those difficult times when we're going through a rough time. And we step back and we say, hey, I don't got it that bad. Yeah, it's bad, but it's not that bad. That actually does help. It actually does give us comfort. And when we start to see a different perspective, it changes us. And sometimes it changes us for us to be grateful. And that next little thing, be grateful. I I like what Matt said this week. He said, gratitude is the antidote to the if-then thinking. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, we should focus on what we do have. How often do we focus on what we don't have instead of paying attention to what we do have? How often do we get so caught up on that other thing that, the, the, you know, oh man, I would love to have that new car. Instead of realizing that your car that you have right now, even though it may bump and rumble and, and, and not go as well as we'd like it to go, it's not the sports car, but it's a car. How often do we get caught up in technology and we want the next big thing? Now, this is me speaking, not necessarily some of you. How often do we want to get that next iPhone 8? And we get so caught up that we don't realize the gift that we have in our hands right now. Matt also said that gratitude and whatever forms it takes is connected to lasting happiness. I've never seen a person who wasn't giving thanks that was unhappy. Gratitude is happiness. Even if it's like a small little like thank you, it's still like a glimmer of happiness. And then the other thing he said is that being grateful dramatically increases our chances of happiness even when things aren't going our way. I like to think of it like this. Gratitude is a disease you definitely want where negativity is the black plague. We want gratitude. We want that feeling that Thanksgiving gives us. You know, the good feeling. You know why people love Thanksgiving? Because it gives us a good feeling. Not only, does it, not only do we eat like huge amounts of food and it's like the best food of the year, we love that feeling. Everybody loves that feeling. Uh, nobody loves the negativity. Think about those negative people in your life. They, they exist. You don't want to be around them, do you? Because they're like a black hole. They suck the life out of everything. We want an attitude of gratitude because that's contagious. That's, that's holy. That's sacred. That's, you know, I think that's why people were a little bit attracted to Jesus because he had an attitude of gratitude. He gave thanks to God in everything that he could do. When was the last time you were grateful? I want you to think about it. When was the last time you were really grateful? Hopefully it was this morning when you woke up out of bed. And you got to experience another day. The last thing that Matt shares is that we need to let it go or let go. And I could break off into Frozen Song and Dance and we could play the video and, and, and I know their little kids would be excited, but let go. I mean, that's basic. Far too often we hold on to things that we shouldn't hold on to and they weigh us down. It kind of plays into the whole idea of forgiveness. If we don't truly forgive someone, 
it weighs us down. And the only way that we really move forward is we let go of that baggage that's keeping us. And some of you know what's keeping you from really being very faithful to Jesus Christ. It's that baggage that we refuse to let go of. It holds us back. Matt said this week, he said, much of the time our response is a lament to the unfair nature of life or the vanity to change the season. We battle and shout. We cry and get angry. We get mad at God and turn inward, all because we do not want to admit we are not in complete control. We need to let go and realize that God is in control. God is in control. Ecclesiastes reminds us of this. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens. A time for giving birth, a time for dying, a time for planting, a time for uprooting what was planted, a time for killing, a time for healing, a time for tearing down, a time for building up, a time for crying, a time for laughter, a time for mourning, a time for dancing, a time for throwing stones, a time for gathering stones, a time for embracing, a time for avoiding embraces, a time for searching and a time for losing. A time for keeping and a time for throwing away. A time for tearing down and a time for repairing. A time for keeping silence and a time for keeping. A time for loving and a time for hating. A time for war and a time for peace. Solomon in these words are reminding us that we all go through different seasons in life. And we can't hold on to those seasons. Sometimes in summer people are looking for winter. But those same people, when they get to winter, they're looking forward to summer. And they forget the embrace of the now and the season that they are in. We need to let it go. Paul reminds us that, Paul wrote these words, I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. In Philippians 4.13, I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. God's going to help you make it through those seasons of life that are not that pleasant. But we have to open our eyes and our ears and open ourselves up to the people around us that will help us through those seasons. Letting go and letting God be in control is a great practice to practice in a season of chaos. Because sometimes the first thing that we need to do is to acknowledge that God is in control. Lasting happiness happens when we make our lasting happiness rooted in God. To be a happy person, you have to center yourself and root that into God in whatever forms they may present themselves. Miyoski wrote, he said, Our happiness is more secure when it is based on a relationship with God. When we center it into God, when we center our happiness into God, we can find things even in the midst of chaos. If you don't believe me, read the book of Job. Even though Job goes through a lot, he was still a happy person because he endured. He pressed on. He didn't let things swallow him up. He had an attitude of gratitude. Even in the midst of chaos when his friends were just saying, curse God and die. He pressed forward and pressed on. 
So this week, I want us to live in, maybe you've seen the serenity prayer. It's written by, it's attributed to one of my favorite theologians, Reinhold Niebuhr. And it's actually in our hymnal on 459, if you want to take that and take a picture of it to, to have on your phone for this week. But the serenity prayer goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. I want you to live into that a little bit. I want you to to recognize that there are going to be things you cannot control. Even though you want to, let it go. And let God be in control. Because when you allow God to grant you the serenity to accept those things you cannot change, you will be moved closer to him. And you'll feel happier because you'll realize, hey, there's nothing I can do. You can't control that coworker who's giving you a headache. You can't. No matter how much you try, trust me, I've tried. No matter how much you try to move a congregation, they can only go where they want to go. You can't control other people. But your attitude makes the world of difference. You can either be generous and loving and caring, or you can be that negative black hole that when we're swallowed up by that, we miss out on living the way that God has called us to live. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to First United Methodist Church of Locust Grove Sermon. We hope that you enjoyed the message, and we hope that God works on you and works through you as you help us live into our mission of living God's way, sharing God's story, and serving God's people. We hope to see you next Sunday at 1045 a.m. And for more information about our church, you can go online at www.fumclgok.org. Thank you, and have a good day.